0: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare up prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
2: And welcome to The Water Cooler, everybody. We appreciate you being here. I'm David Brody. It is Thursday, February 25th, 2021. We begin today with a question for President Joe Biden. And there he is. Hey, Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, Whatever happened to unity? I mean, I've been looking for it ever since he was inaugurated. And look, straight up, it's been very hard to find. Here's what I have found, though, however, a vote coming today in the House of Representatives on the Equality Act. Now, look, it sounds like a nice little bill, equality, yay, yay, kumbaya. But conservatives, especially religious conservatives, say, hey, don't be fooled. Technically, the bill would change civil rights laws to give protection for LGBTQ Americans, but hold on a minute. It very well could lead to a major assault and infringement on the religious liberty rights of Americans in the process. It would also take direct aim at female athletes by protecting transgender men if they want to compete against them in sports. Abortion, as well as all, is wrapped up in this. We'll get to that in a moment. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene made a video statement of sorts today against the bill. Look what she did outside her House office. Marjorie Taylor Greene, for sure. Also today on the big show, the immigration debate. Under President Trump, the media loved to say how he was putting kids in cages. Well, now Biden's doing the same thing, but the story isn't being spun that way. We are going to discuss and leave it to the New York Post today to sum it all up for Governor Andrew Cuomo. Look at that headline. That's that's the front page headline. Cuomo's a pig the provocative and detailed sexual harassment allegation against the New York governor is out there. All to see now, we're going to have that story too. But first, the uh, Equality Act. Then candidate Joe Biden called this his number one domestic legislative priority when he was running for president. And well, today that's becoming a reality in the House. So we have a lot to talk about with our first guest, Marjorie Dannensfelzer, the president of the Susan B. Anthony List, one of the top pro-life organizations in America. Marjorie, great to have you on the show.
3: Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here as always.
2: Well, look, uh, so much for unity uh, from Joe Biden, the Democrats. I mean, this this is a radical piece of legislation. So, what are some of your main concerns here?
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, unity in the way that he always speaks of unity. Unity. When you look just a little bit beneath the surface, what you see is great division. So, and uh, and what this does is make a mockery of the whole idea of what equality would be by enshrining abortion and as a definition. Of equality for women abortion which is of course the greatest human rights violation of our day and so if you have enshrined abortion in a law that says uh, that it's a fundamental human human right that means you have to fund it because if you're poor and it's a human right you can't avail yourself of a human right unless it's funded and also if you have any objection religious or conscience or otherwise it doesn't matter because it's a human right and clearly your conscience has been altered and obscured in some way, and we just have to override your conscience. So this is a far-reaching, horrible piece of legislation.
2: And Marjorie, as I look closer at the language in this bill as it relates to abortion, we're talking about the Equality Act, H.R. 5. Here's what it says. It just says uh, they're adding these words. uh, It would amend the Civil Rights Act by adding pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition. Uh, Hello, Mm -hmm. that would be abortion. I mean, I mean, so, so a lot has been made about the sex discrimination portion of this, but uh, maybe not Mm -hmm. as much has been talked about regarding abortion and what this means.
3: Well, he's very smart to not have ever highlighted it. And it's a great uh, move on Schumer's part and a political way to never highlight it. And Nancy Pelosi to not highlight because they know that this is the opposite of unity, highly charged people of conscience who are over half the country would oppose something like this. And um, thank God you're talking about it because it's part of the reason this bill will go down.
2: Yeah. Marjorie, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Javier Becerra. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. come under a a lot of attacks this week. I I don't get a sense that Democrats are going to, in other words, I I think Manchin is probably going to be there, right, on this vote. I mean, what about Bob Casey? He put out kind of a nice statement again uh, for Becerra. Those are the two guys, you're going to need one of those Democrats to stop Becerra. Talk to me about your concerns about Mm -hmm. Becerra and what you think is going to happen here, because this HHS secretary Mm -hmm. uh, is pretty radical on abortion
3: he's horrible and you know uh you and i've been around here on the hill for a quite quite some time yeah. and you know that when there is momentum heading in our direction when it's headed away momentum is actually headed in our direction i believe on this on this and as soon as these uh, marginal senators find out which way it's going some of those on the margins will go our way i believe i do believe that joe manchin will be with us on this though he's been a little bit back and forth there are others that we think that we could get on the on the um on the on uh, the democratic side but uh we have to get every single republican of course but it's a pretty high bar to get 60 votes um so it's uh, gonna be tough to uh to you know but it is all on the all on the margins it is all on the margins without question but the reason he's so bad i mean so much of it is apparent um you know at this point when we're Mm -hmm. struggling with coronavirus the whole world is turned upside down to have the head of our Health and Human Services be a someone who knows about medicine, who might be a doctor, who could quell fears and build up uh, hope in the nation, would have been a really good idea. Instead, we have an abortion activist, somebody while he was in the U.S. Congress that we watch very closely, was an advocate for born uh, against born alive legislation. He was an advocate for partial birth abortion. He's been questioned by senators in the last couple of days about this. He doubled down on his commitment to partial birth abortion and born alive the legislation. He doesn't believe it's a child even when he sees it. Back in California as AG, he prosecuted uh, citizen journalists who were going after Planned Parenthood for the harvesting and trafficking of baby body parts when he should have been prosecuting mm-hmm. the people who were doing that. Uh, and then he's persecuted pro-life people in California who are running pro-life pregnancy care centers, trying to force them to advocate and advertise for abortion in their own pregnancy care centers that of course went to the to the Supreme Court and he was slammed down and trying to force them to do that but it goes on and on he's awful and he's an activist and he has to be stopped
2: Marjorie I have I've got to ask you something you just said about Manchin do you do you think Manchin there's a chance Manchin will vote against Becerra? I mean how, how what's your sense on that because you mentioned Manchin well, and that kind of piqued my interest a little bit
3: yeah, I, I think that there's a possibility that he could <laughs> that he could go either way. He said different things over the last several days. I think he's leaning against Becerra mm-hmm. um, with the pro-life movement. But he mm-hmm. definitely has just voted against the confirmation of the OMB director. And so the question is, how many people is he going to defy the Democratic Party on? I think this is closer to his heart than the OMB yeah. director. So I, that, that – and speaking to the people of West Virginia – who are speaking to him, is a top priority at the Susan B. Anthony list right now and should be for the whole pro-life movement. Well,
2: well, and speaking of that, you have this whole, what, hashtag Stop Becerra uh, movement kind of trending online. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing. This is uh, the National Pro-Life Coalition uh, calling on U.S. senators to reject the nomination of Javier Becerra, but you you have a whole uh, coalition and letter and everything going out here on this. Yeah,
3: we do. I mean, the pro-life movement is, talk about unity completely unified now. Um, And we've had uh, uh, done a lot of work with working with pro-life groups across the country to speak with one voice who will speak to their own senators about how objectionable this senator is. We we all got together and signed one letter speaking with one voice to every single senator, um, naming this as a top priority of the pro-life movement to vote against. And everyone hearing this should know, the pro-life movement is stronger than it has ever been since 1973, those letters, those communications, make an enormous difference, and I believe can take us across the line in defeating this guy.
2: Marjorie, we're running uh, towards the end of the interview here, so I do want to ask you about uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, and what has happened uh, out there in New York. I mean, he was already under obviously a lot of uh, negative press with COVID and the nursing home scandal, and. And now this, uh, the, Was- oh. the New York Post headline we put up uh, earlier, you know, Cuomo's a pig wow. and the sexual harassment allegation. Uh, wh- wh- what do you make of this? I mean, I've been looking in some media headlines, and it- it's-, it's there barely. It's buried. They're not talking about it much. They're doing obligatory articles on it, but it just seems like uh, here we go again. The media is going to – seems like they're covering for him a little bit here.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it. It hurts. Either you care about this type of thing or you don't care about this type of thing. Um, the Me, Me Too movement really came to a crashing halt when all of a sudden Biden and other Democrats were being um, were being accused of of this type of harassment. They were afraid that it was going to hurt Biden's chances to get elected. Did they really care about sexual harassment? Or did they not? Is there one standard, or are there two standards? There has to be one when it comes to this. This should not be a political football. This is about human beings treating other human beings like trash. And leave it to the New York Post to get it right on that one.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, before we let you go, I want to hop hopscotch quickly over to uh, Planned Parenthood because I know, obviously, Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood. Uh, you can talk forever. You only got a forty-five seconds to a minute. I'm sorry, Marjorie. <laughs> uh, but but what, what's happening with Planned Parenthood? Because they've released their annual report. I understand. And, uh, COVID doesn't seem to be affecting them much.
3: Oh yeah. Easy. Funding is up now. Um, abortions are up. Other services are down. They've got tons of money in this, in this coronavirus piece of legislation that would, that would restore money that we took away before. So, you know, they're, they're, their future is looking kind of bright and uh, we're going to have to keep exposing them. But this president is the number one ally without yeah. question.
2: And the COVID-19 bill, a lot of concerns about abortion in that bill, obviously.
3: Every single way you could put abortion in a bill, it's in there at a moment of great crisis. It's just abominable. It's awful.
2: Is there something specific that you're concerned about regarding that COVID-19 bill?
3: There is. There's is, There's funding in, in so many different ways with COBRA, uh, uh health care payments uh with direct funding to Planned Parenthood as if they were going to help out they don't have anything to do with this virus um and uh, and just in a lot of other ways that uh that that are not obvious so it's a reason yeah. to defeat the entire bill and that's what we're asking the U.S. Senate to do
2: and by the way a quick 10 seconds here 15 seconds on on Christy Noem by the way she just signed that big uh, born again infant uh, protection act today uh your reaction to that a,
3: Oh, she's a hero. Uh, she also just signed one recently about uh, Down syndrome children, not boring them because of their, uh, because what some consider a disability. I call it ability in many ways. Yeah. She is a hero. I see her as a rising star. I can't wait to see you interviewing her when she's running for president. Well,
2: we plan. Uh, okay, I heard that part about president. All right, we plan to do it. Marjorie, <laughs> thank you for letting me ask four last questions. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, David. All the best to you. Marjorie Dannensfelter with the uh, Susan B. Anthony list. Uh, talk about movers and shakers in the industry. Marjorie is right there in Webster's Dictionary on that and her organization. We're back in a moment with Sammy Rodriguez. Get ready.
4: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler,
2: everybody. Uh, Immigration in the news. Joe Biden's done some executive orders. He's got a bill out there. Uh, And by the way, uh, here's three words for you. Kids in cages. Remember those words with the Trump administration, right? You had the media talking about, oh, Donald Trump, worst person in the world. Kids in cages. He's horrible down there at the border. Uh, Hey, so this just in, uh, Joe Biden's doing the same thing. But the media's not calling it that. This is what happened the other day at the White House press conference with Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, when she was asked about it, we like to call it here on the water cooler, the sake That
5: Kamala Harris said that this facility, putting people in this facility, was a human rights abuse committed by the United States government. And Joe Biden said, under Trump, there have been horrifying scenes of border uh, at the border of kids being kept in cages. Now it's not under Trump; it's under Biden.
6: This is not kids being kept in cages. But this is this facility. is kids. This is a facility that was opened that's going to follow the same standards as other HHS facilities. It is not a replication. Certainly not. That is never our intention of replicating the immigration policies of the past administration. But we are in a circumstance where we are not going to expel unaccompanied minors at the border. That would be inhumane. That is not what we are going to do here as an administration. We need to find places that are safe under COVID protocols for kids to be, where they can have access to education, health, and mental services consistent with their best interests. Our goal is for them to then uh, be transferred to families or sponsors. So, this is our effort to ensure that kids are treated or not. In close proximity and that we are abiding by the health and safety standards that uh, the government has been set out. All right. So,
2: well, let's, let's unpack all of this. Let's, uh, we're joined now with, by Sammy uh, Rodriguez, the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Coalition. <laughs> Sam, I know you're already, <laughs> you look, I don't even need to, you know what, do I even need to ask a question? All right, go, go, just go. Go ahead. Hey, hold on. Let me get comfortable. Go
1: ahead. Go ahead. Get, it's not kids and cages. But it's kids in the same identical facilities, Mm -hmm. I kid you not, with the same fencing, same containers, same identical location, but it's not kids in cages. The hypocrisy on steroids. You can't explain it. You would actually think it's an SNL sketch, but it's real world reality. Kids in cages, unbelievable. I was there, David. I traveled there, I, I saw what took place there. The same identical facilities. I, again, the, the lack of integrity, the level of hypocrisy is unbridled. Just admit it. At least have, I have great political differences with AOC, but at least AOC has a continuity of, of at least some coherency in, in being repulsed by this scenario, likewise. So I applaud her for at least for critiquing the Biden administration on this matter.
2: Yeah. And and Sammy, uh, by the the way, I mean, this thing, look, you, you are, uh, how do I explain, you're a lot of things, but you're level-headed, and especially on this issue, I mean, you're trying to come to some common ground here. I, I, I mean, I'm just wondering what you think about Biden's, uh, the, the immigration bill he's put out, uh, this whole uh, Remain in Mexico stuff that he's no longer uh, for. I mean, listen, you're for reasonable immigration reform, but, but, and so, so,
1: so you're not a flamethrower on this issue, Sammy. No, listen, as, as you well know, historically. It, you know, I, I, it, I, I'm reminiscing, I'm, I'm almost committed to looking back at 2008. President Obama had two years with a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House. He could have passed immigration reform, but he didn't. He sacrificed immigration reform on the altar of healthcare reform. Mm-hmm. So he had to pick one, and he picked healthcare over immigration. Joe Biden is doing the same thing. He is What he proposed will never ever pass the Senate. So is he doing this intentionally? Why not give the Senate something that's palpable for him to propose? Giving blanket amnesty for 11 to 20 million individuals, the Senate Joe Manchin's not going to approve it. The senator from Arizona is not going to approve it. That's 52 votes against automatically from the side, from the get-go. So it's not going to happen. Why not just come to a, the place of compromise? Why not say, let's give the Dreamer citizenship, which is about 1.8 million maximum. Let's give them citizenship. The, the children should not pay for the sins of their parents. But for the parents, let's take away citizenship. Let's take away citizenship. Let's give them a green card if they are working and not living off government entitlement. If they have not committed some sort of a, a crime other than coming here illegally. Mm-hmm. So if they're good people, which the majority of them are, if they're good people, hardworking, and they want to live out the American dream, they're never going to become citizens. There's a price to pay for coming here illegally. Mm-hmm. That sort of compromise, I believe Senator Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, James Lankford, Tim Scott, and others in the Senate would approve. Well, but what he proposed is debt on arrival. So why is he doing it? Yeah, that was my question to you. What, why is he doing it? What happened to
2: unity? I mean, why not just be sensible and come up with what you just said? Make it targeted. The whole this whole big immigration enchilada bill has been just a dog and pony show from
1: the very beginning. It again, it's there's an attempt here to somehow convey a message to the uh, immigrant community, to the Latino Hispanic community. Up, you see the other side is opposed to you, mm-hmm. but in reality. Once again, in reality, in 2008, Obama had an opportunity and he missed it. And here we are again in in 2021, President Biden has an opportunity and he's missing it. Mm -hmm. So I think, I do believe it's going to backfire. It will backfire.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And so, Sammy, what's the, so so the solution then, you think uh, if it's DACA, and it's citizenship or green cards, you mentioned, for folks that are here. But also, uh, they, they'll throw in border security. You got to do something with E-Verify. I mean, you got to you, give You some. have to. Yeah, you, you have, have to. You have
1: to. You have to E-Verify. You got you to you you protect the border. So if he's not going to add on any more to the fence, mm-hmm. you have to do what is called, you know, infrared imaging, satellite imaging. Hey, David, we can read the license plate in Afghanistan from a satellite. Yeah. Do you think we can't detect? thousands of individuals crossing over the Rio Grande of backpacks? Come on, absolutely, (laughs) yes. So we're just incorporating incorporating the technology we already have. Protect the border, e-verify, look at the different sectors, look at a system that reconciles a bit of the Australian Canadian with the American ethos of providing room, likewise, for those that are seeking legitimate asylum. Let's be who we are. But we can do this, we can, we can stop illegal immigration, stop human and sex trafficking at the border, stop the cartels, and provide a pathway to integrate those that have been here for so many years that are, that are good people. The immigrant community is not a burden. It is a blessing. We want people coming here legally, not illegally. Sammy
2: Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Coalition, how do you really feel, by the way? No, okay, I know.
1: You are great, great to see you as always, sir. Hey, by the way, the, the hashtag today. Yes, the kids are the kids are not in cages.
2: Hashtag kids not in cages. Gotcha. Thanks, Sammy. Appreciate it. Uh, look, he's uh, he's a very sensible voice on this issue. You just heard it. There's 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 an agreement to be had. Unity, unity. It's been the theme. Where is it? Oh, it's vote. Back to the water cooler, everybody. The Republican Party. So what is it? Is it Trump's party? Is it uh, McConnell's party? Is it going to be the Patriot Party and the GOP? Is it just going to be the GOP? Is it just going to be the Patriot? <sighs> you know what? I'm exhausted even thinking about it. Let's bring in Nathan Gonzalez, uh, the editor of Inside Elections. Uh, Nathan, uh, a regular on the show. I, I, is it OK if I call you a regular? You're a regular.
5: Sure. Yeah. I think the the record speaks for itself. You keep having me. I I must not be hurting ratings too much.
2: No, no. As a matter of fact, I will be sending you a PDF file of the ratings uh, just right after we're done here, by the way. Uh, All right, Nathan, uh, look, the Republican Party, uh, I want to put this up first uh, for you. This is from the uh, National Republican Senatorial Committee. The chairman, Rick Scott, Republican civil war has been Canceled. And then he goes on to say this, and this is what he means uh by all of this. Some of you voted for President Trump enthusiastically, some with reservations, and some with great reluctance. It doesn't matter. We got 74 million votes, and we can easily add to our numbers if we work together. Looking backward won't help us win. Let us look forward and fix our eyes on what is important. An America with plenty of good paying jobs, an America with great schools and safe communities, an America with freedoms and liberties people around the world would die for. The only way we can lose is if we stop ourselves by needlessly fracturing. Again, now is not the time. Save it for another day. Uh, your thoughts about what Rick Scott is saying?
5: Well, I think this is aspirational. Um, and I think <laughs> if, you, uh, if you read between the lines or if, we were, if we we're able to add a couple of things, it could say at the top, Dear President Trump, mm-hmm. um, because I think what uh, what he's trying to do. Well, first of all, we have to remember that Rick Scott, his he is chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. His job is to regain control of the United States Senate. Whatever it takes to win at least one more Senate seat to get Republicans back in the in control. That's his goal. It's not necessarily keeping President Trump happy or redoing the 2020 elections or whatnot. Uh, it's about winning Senate. And what he realizes is that the best way for Republicans to do well in 2022 is for Republicans to be united. And the way for Republicans to be united is to focus on the enemy or focus on the threats, focus on Democrats, socialism, whatever it might be. Because if Republicans start looking at each other and, and, and start fighting about who is or is not sufficiently loyal to President Trump or who said what or who tweeted what within the party, that's when the divisions happen. And that's going to hurt Republicans' uh, efforts to, to win Democratic states.
2: Well, and Nathan, here's the problem that Rick Scott, he, he said that last line, save it for another day. Hey, another day is here. I, I mean, Trump is forcing the hand of the Republican Party to kind of like the put up or shut up. Like, what, what are you? What party do, do we want to be when Republicans are talking to one another? I mean, that day is here,
5: is it not? Well, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the tension is that President Trump is, is at least, you know, he is focused on uh, supporting challengers to uh, senators or members of the House who, who have either done him wrong or been insufficiently, uh, insufficiently loyal to him. And, and that's what he's focused on. I mean, just a few weeks ago, uh, it was basically Don, uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump uh, declaring war on Republicans. And so, I, you know, this, is, this uh, release or letter from Rick Scott is a response to that. And that's why, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit skeptical that just with this release or this letter, everything's going to be, you know, oh, the Republican Party is going to be uh, yeah. one big happy family because there's a there are, there are competing interests. There are competing interests right now. And I would say that what Rick Scott's interest is and what President Trump's interest is right now are two different things.
2: You know, Nathan, uh, excuse me if I haven't looked at the Senate map for 2022. Uh, I'm sure you've taken a look at that. I mean, how, how does 2022 look as it relates to uh, you know how hard uh, this will be. I mean, it's 50/50. So obviously, everything's up, up for grabs. But but in terms of defending seats, and I mean, what's the terrain look like for Republicans at this point in the Senate?
5: Yeah. Well, with the 50/50 Senate, it's easy yeah. to say that the, the majority is at stake or the majority is in play in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, we've uh, identified eight battleground states so far, mm-hmm. uh, for each on the Republican uh, for each uh, on the Republican and Democratic side. Uh, the vulnerable republican seats would uh, start with the open seat in pennsylvania where pat Toomey's not running for re-election open seat in uh, north carolina where richard burr isn't running uh, along with uh, ron johnson in wisconsin who has not decided whether he is running again And marco rubio in florida now uh, on the other on the flip side um, you have um, you, you have a state like new hampshire uh, where democratic senator maggie hassan is running we're waiting to see if republican uh, a Republican governor, Chris Sununu, uh, jumps in, jumps into that race, um, and now I'm now I'm gonna have to think of the other of the other of the other three. But there are four total yeah. uh, on on each side, and and so Republicans have an opportunity to get there. It's just early, uh, early in the races, before we even know who's running in some cases, to ultimately play it out.
1: One
2: of those races you mentioned, Marco Rubio's race, uh, you know, what, what's your Salvanca? Apparently, she's, so she's not going to run against it. She's not going to primary him or anything like that. Um, do, do you sense a primary challenge at all for Rubio? And, and then, of course, there's a Democrat as well now thinking about it, Stephanie Murphy. Uh, what, what's your Stephanie Murphy, a Republican, or excuse me, a Democrat congresswoman, seriously considering a bid to unseat Rubio? What's your sense of the terrain there for Rubio from a primary standpoint and then in a general?
5: Well, first on the primary, it doesn't appear that Rubio is really a focus of President Trump right now. I don't think he's really, you know, he's really been in the news lately in terms of invoking the ire of President Trump. So I, I guess I would be I would be skeptical at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the general election, we view Florida, it's not a swing state, because Republicans have won virtually all of the close races in recent years, but it's still a battleground. It's going to be a big, expensive race. And for Stephanie Murphy, uh, the congresswoman from Florida, uh, she just got elected to her third term. She represents an area kind of northwest of Orlando. Uh, I think there are a couple things going on. Uh, We are in a redistricting year. And right now, Florida is likely to gain two congressional seats. But more importantly, Republicans are going to redraw the congressional map. And so there's a chance the Republicans make her district more Republican, maybe more difficult for her to win. And so I think she's she's trying to keep her options open, right? That if she could run for reelection to the House or if again, if Republicans redraw her district, maybe she like look, it's better. I might as well try to run statewide because that's the better chance. You know, that gives me a better chance than that district that Republicans just gave me.
2: Well, that's really interesting. We'll have to have you on next time to talk a little bit. I'm not to geek out on national television about redistricting, but it is, it's extremely important not to mention the fact that I think Republicans are, are kind of in a bit of a good situation there uh, as it relates to state legislatures and what well, we can talk about that at some point so <laughs> all right nathan thank you so much appreciate you
5: nope no problem
2: all right i was missing the globe today not not that you're one, you're like what is the globe but you know so nathan comes i tell you what that globe is just sitting there in the background for his skype shots and i like it and then today i didn't see the globe so i got this i got distracted uh, all right Uh, Coming up, uh, we've got Pastor Brian Gibson coming up. He's the founder of Peaceably Gather. We're going to ask him about Andrew Cuomo. He's got sexual harassment allegations against him. What about Donald Trump? And where were Christians when that was happening? Back in a moment.
3: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital.
2: Hello, cool, everybody. Yes, yeah, CPAC, as uh, Real America's Voice is going to cover, it's going to be a big deal. Donald Trump expected to speak, I believe, on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to check my calendar. What am I doing Sunday morning? Oh, that's right. I'm going to church. <laughs> uh, right. Got that. Uh, I'll have to put that in the calendar. All right. Uh, speaking of church, hey, uh, look who's uh, with us today. Pastor Brian Gibson, founder of Peaceably Gather. Uh, Pastor Gibson, always great to see you, sir. Hey, it's great to be with you, David. Thanks so much for having me back, man. Well, and let's talk about CPAC for a second. You're down there., uh, you're gonna be taking part in the festivities. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yes, sir. we We
4: came down just because there's so many great people and so many great minds, and uh, some not so great minds, you know, it, it's all it's all a mixture together. but we want to get together and uh, see what's coming for conservatives in America. I think we're all interested in who is going to be a leader, who what what people are going to rise to the top, What voices? are we going to be following for the next few years? So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of interest and a lot of question marks. So I'm in Orlando for that for a few days.
2: Uh, Pastor, I I want to get your take on Merrick Garland and something he said the other day. I want to play this for our audience. Uh, He was asked about Antifa, uh, even though Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, I don't think actually said Antifa, but he said Portland and Seattle riots and, and the federal courthouses and all. We knew exactly what he was talking about. And then Merrick Garland said the following. I want to get your take on this.
6: Do you regard assaults on federal courthouses or other federal property as acts of domestic extremism, domestic terrorism?
0: Well, uh, Senator, uh, my own definition, which is about the same as the statutory definition, is uh, a use of violence or threats of violence in uh, an attempt to uh, disrupt uh, democratic processes. So, an attack on a, uh, uh, a courthouse while in operation, uh, trying to prevent judges from actually deciding cases that Plainly, is um, domestic uh, um, uh, extremism, um, 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 uh, domestic uh, terrorism, Um, an attack simply on government property at night, or any other kind of uh, circumstances, is a clear crime and a serious one and should be punished. I don't mean I don't know enough about the facts of the example you're talking about, but that's where I I draw the line. One, one is both are uh, criminal. Um, uh, but one is uh, a core attack on our democratic institutions.
2: Um, 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 uh, how about just like, yes, the answer is yes. He couldn't go there. He couldn't do it.
4: No. Do, do you remember, David, back when the leftists tried to tell us that Merrick Garland was a centrist back in the day?
2: That's right, uh, that's
4: right. I, I mean, it's amazing to watch what this man has manifested. We see what he really is now. And, and what's funny, the language he used is my definition is is almost like the statute. So, you know, the, the real definition, so I guess I guess he has ways he sees things that aren't written in the law, uh, but to say that an attack on a, a federal building and an attack on somewhere our judges are, like like in Portland, Seattle, where Antifa's been land blasting these locations all throughout the summer, for him to act like that is not an issue, and it's not the same thing as what happened on the 6th, is the height of idiocy. And to give a man like this this type of power in America, um, wow, it seems not just unjust. It seems insane to me. So so I just – and then he, he goes as far as to say he doesn't understand what issues you're talking about. I'm not sure what situation you're talking about. Uh, if he doesn't yeah. know what happened this summer in America – in Portland and Seattle, he should have came with me out there to preach, right. and I could have given him a, a, a front row seat of the violence and the destruction. And hats off to uh, Josh
2: Howley uh, there Hi.
4: for what he did. Incredible. Yes. Incredible
2: speaking of the video, we have the video of you speaking out there. I mean, you were in Portland and Seattle and a lot of other places. These are hot spots where Antifa was, and you were preaching the gospel and uh, trying to be a unifier uh, in in a very toxic situation. Talk to us about that experience. Yeah, well, me and, uh, actually in the height of the Chopper
4: Chaz movement, myself, there were just three of us that went in there together uh, the first time we went in for three days and we preached the gospel. We prayed for people just like you see there. Uh, I was asking, uh, interviewing people, Hey, what do you want? out of this movement, what are you looking for? And let them open up their hearts, let them talk. And then ultimately, I'm a gospel preacher. I have political ideologies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm an American, I'm entitled to that. But foremost, I'm telling people about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So I got to lead people to Jesus, pray for them, and try to say, come on, peace is better than violence. Yeah. So, um, so but, but it was a dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, our, our lives were threatened many, many, many times. And uh, now, now we're talking about Antifa, but yeah. if you talk to Joe Biden, there is no Antifa. No David. Antifa, no Antifa. It's, not, it's just an idea. It's like a unicorn or a magical pony that happens to
2: burn down buildings all around you. Right, 100%. Hey, before we let you go, I got a, uh, about a minute and a half or so left. Uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, in the news, obviously uh, sexual harassment allegations. And I got to tell you, I, I quickly went to Twitter. I know, maybe I should have gone to parlor Rumble. I went to Twitter. And and Twitter is all – the liberals are out in force saying anybody that supported Trump has no – should not be speaking out against Cuomo because, you know, come on, you supported Trump, so you can't say anything about Cuomo. What's your take on that?
4: Well, I think that's gaslighting. I think this is their man now, so there's a new set of rules, right, Hmm. Uh, which is always true of the leftist. It's uh, rules for uh, the but not for me. And so I'm, as a, as a pastor, right, I deal with uh, people that have been abused all of the time. We work with people. Yep. My wife and I are, are continually uh, working working with people that have been abused. So I, I think that uh, for them to gaslight like this and to say this is unreal. There has to be a standard across the board. And we also have to remember these people in political situations, mm-hmm. um, they are targets as well, Right. So, so I think we keep that in mind. If you're a public figure, you are a target, but they need to be investigated. And I think it's amazing that the left doesn't want Cuomo investigated, mm-hmm. right? But they were perfectly okay with Trump being investigated. That says everything, right? They don't want yep. their man touched, but their man's already... Uh, look at the nursing home situation. Look at what's happened in, in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some other states that probably have governors with the same nursing home blood on their hand. Now the sexual allegations. Uh, if you're the Me Too party, if you are the uh, party that champions women's rights, mm-hmm. they ought to be all over Cuomo and seeing what really happened there. Now, I also yep. believe that a yep. man is innocent until proven guilty, sure. but there needs to be an investigation.
2: Yeah, and we're hearing crickets in the media for sure. Hey, uh, Pastor Gibson, Really appreciate it. org Is it org? Am I right? Oh, you, you could get there the best. PG.today. PG.today. We'll make it easy. Okay. PG.today. Sounds sounds great. Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Uh, thanks for being on the show, sir. All the best. Hey. Thank you, David. All right. Uh, and by the way, uh, where was the media? I looked at Axios this morning. I looked at Playbook, this morning, Political Playbook. They didn't even cover the story. Last sip next. welcome back to the water cooler everybody time for the last sip and you know what it also is time for the poll of the day the water cooler poll of the day All right. Here we go. Let's see what the poll of the day is. Let's all find out together, shall we? Okay. I kind of knew a little bit before this. Uh, Please let me know whether you have a favorable or an unfavorable opinion of each of the following. (laughs) Why am I laughing? Chuck Schumer uh, uh, has a very low favorability rating. Uh, Mitch McConnell. Wow. Look at that unfavorable for Mitch McConnell. 62%. We like to call him Magic Mitch. Wasn't he in a movie? Oh, wait. That was another movie. That was Matthew McConaughey. All right. And then Kevin McCarthy, uh, not too bad, holding steady, (laughs) holding steady at a 25% favorable rating because it's Congress. And when it comes to Congress, no one's favorable in Congress. Let's be honest with you. Uh, And by the way, uh, let's talk about unity. We talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, Joe Biden, where's the unity been? You've signed more than 50 executive orders. That's unity? It hasn't even been 100 days yet. As a matter of fact, it's been, let me think, quick, quick math, over a month. It's been about, what, five weeks? 50 executive orders. More than that, actually. Oh, and how about this for unity? Impeachment? Go ahead and impeach the former president of the United States. That's a good way to uh, heal the country. Oh, how about this one? You had Republicans in your office the other day, a few weeks ago, on the COVID-19 bill. They came and said, hey, we got 10 Republicans here. We want to make a deal with you on COVID-19. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I think we'll do budget reconciliation instead, you know? So, Great. Unity on that. The Equality Act. We've talked about it today on the show. Radical on abortion. They're against people of faith and their convictions. They're against female athletes. I can go on and on. How about uh, Nidra Tandon uh, You know, you're going to put her up as budget director. Have, have you checked Twitter recently? Uh, she said a few things that uh, aren't that pleasant. Why is that? Uh, how is that part of unity? Uh, Javier Becerra. I mean, my goodness. I, listen, I have to swallow. Watch it. You know, because I have to keep swallowing because I, I'm literally losing saliva as I speak about all this type of stuff. Javier Becerra, I mean, there he is. I mean, radical, partial birth abortion. Oh, and how about the January 6th commission? Here's something for unity. Let's put seven Democrats on the commission and let's just put four Republicans. Yeah. That's unity. And by the way, did you hear what Pelosi said the other day? We played it on the air at the water cooler when she said, I don't really care what Republicans think. Really? Hey, Joe Biden, why don't you speak out against that? Oh, no, he's not going to do that. All right. So that's the last sip. Unity. Sorry, folks. Not happening.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back to the Water Cooler. It is the end of the show. Sophie Mann is here. Sophie Great to see you.
6: Hi, David. Wow. Okay. We're running a tight ship today. We are. And
2: not only this, these are my official anchor papers. You know how you know anchor papers always do this? There's nothing written on There's them. absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, it's just take out garbage and <laughs> a couple other things. All right. What do you have going on? I don't follow the news. What's happening?
6: <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. You should. No, no if idea. you If you want to, I would check out justthenews.com. I'm sorry, the name fact, of it again? Justthenews.com. Justthenews.com. So here's what's on justthenews.com okay. at present. Um, million is right now what uh, officials with the United States Capitol are telling lawmakers at the United States Capitol. It is going to take to repair the damage of the January 6th breach. Hmm. So some of those costs, in, in a hearing yesterday, this hearing has been going on for a number of days now, days, um, yeah. different uh, capital administrators have been testifying about what happened on January 6th, the fallout of January 6th, how the capital complex plans to move forward um, in the wake of January 6th. So what they're saying is, you know, there was the damage that we're all sort of tacitly aware of, some um, damage to things like paintings and um, historical artifacts and things that, you know, it's in the best interest of all United States citizens to keep up to par. Sure. Um, the, the sort of... Um, the people who work with those items actually it was interesting they were saying mm-hmm. to congress that they in their budget only plan for one minor incident to happen every year and usually they mean like a tourist knocks into something <laughs> by mistake and it Whoops. needs to be refurbished yeah um so they, they need a little bit of a budget increase correct after the sixth uh but another thing that was being mentioned mm-hmm. was actually the um mental health care services that are now being required for uh, Senate staffers, not required so far as mandated, mm-hmm. more like requested. Right. Uh, somebody who works with the mental health services on Capitol Hill said mm-hmm. that in an average year, they, they field about 3,000 calls from that's from from everybody who works on the Capitol, so mm-hmm. Senate staffers, yeah. congressional staffers, whomever. Um, and in the past six weeks alone, they failed at about twelve hundred calls. Uh-huh. So they're looking at a significant increase. And while they're saying that their office, uh, you know, has been doing a good job shouldering that mm-hmm. additional burden um, up until now, they clearly need more resources. Uh, so it, right. it's interesting that they're asking. And then that's not what the thirty million dollars is going into alone, but that is certainly like a significant portion of what is being discussed on Capitol Hill right now, moving staffers past the uh, mm-hmm. traumatic incidents of the six.
2: Well, it can't be, I mean, it can't be too controversial. You gotta pass it. I mean, yeah, good
6: thing. It. All right, yeah. Sophie,
2: good to see you. Good to see you. All right, uh, tomorrow Dave Brat, uh, Liberty
6: University,
3: uh, will be here. CPAC in Orlando will be there live tomorrow.